0: to be here today to see some that we haven't seen in a while, some back from Texas. We have visitors here from Florida, people whose origins were, I just love to get to say this word, from Picayune, Mississippi. (laughs) Glad to have you with us. And also from Bowling Green. Did I mention Texas? Okay, good. I don't want to leave anybody out. Our little Berg here has been uh, privileged to have had two presidents, two sitting presidents in the last year come and visit us, two different ones. And for those who saw him fly in and fly out yesterday and waited for it, it's it's a thrill. Janine and I went up on top of the roof. She helped me up, just slightly off that first step. And uh, and watched him, heard him come in, and then waited for him to depart. And a great day. July, on our calendars, is the seventh month of the year, and for many years I have chosen July to preach sermons on things in sevens. This week we have the seven freedoms found in Christ. Next week, the seven pillars of wisdom as we read in Proverbs. The, later this month, the seven blessings found in forgiving. Sevens. Now as to freedoms that we talk about, there are many more freedoms than simply the seven that I'm going to talk about. One of my favorites is not found in there, so I'm not going to list it within the sermon, but the freedom that we have to eat pork. (laughs) I'm not going to include that in, so don't. But it is one of those freedoms. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? or the land of the free and the home of the brave. One of my favorite stanzas of the Star-Spangled Banner, to think about living in the land of the free and the home of the brave and all of the rights and privileges that comes with living in this great country. By the way, this is July 4th. Just in case you didn't look at your calendars. And for those people in Traverse City, I need to remind you that this is the beginning of the Cherry Festival. As in many places, many, many times we find that people that live in towns where they have great events are the last ones to think about it. But it is the beginning of the Cherry Festival, which begins around July 4th every year. Celebrating freedom. We love it. We have fireworks. We have barbecues. We have family picnics we have it all but we have it all because of freedom all of these things are nice that we celebrate with but to have that freedom as a citizen of this country unprecedented perhaps in history but the seven things i'd like to talk about are the freedoms that we find in christ and maybe like those things that we celebrate in our country that we have, maybe we take those things for granted. One of those that was listed in our, our first, pardon me, in the passage that was written, is we are set free from sin. Set free from sin. We don't often celebrate that enough. You know, some people live their lives, even after becoming Christians, becoming disciples, becoming saints, still live as though they are chained to sin, always downtrodden, always regretting things. Christ told us we've been set free from those things if we're in him. Paul writes that we are set free from sin in the context of what what was read today Paul talks about we have that freedom because we're no longer under the law. And for those who were Jews of that time, that would have been a great, a tremendous burden to be out from underneath. But you and I are no less fortunate than they are, being that we have been freed from sin. We were once slaves to sin. Now ask anyone who is addicted to whatever, alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, power, prestige, whatever their addiction is, when they have broken away from it and left those shackles behind, how happy they are to not be slaves to that again and to live as someone who is free. Having been set free from sin, now we become Slaves of righteousness. (laughs) No, I was set free. I'm no longer a slave to anything. No, not true under Christ. We serve Christ. We are servants. We are, Paul uses a term that some of the translations don't often translate it that way, but we are bond servants of that. Slaves, servants. We don't like to think in terms of that because we are so free. We'll get to that in just a little while. For when you were slaves of sin, Paul writes, you were free in regard to righteousness. Slaves of sin. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 6 and 7, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin romans 6 paul clearly explains of how when you can't see it from there but right here is a baptismal when we go beneath those waters we reenact that death in our lives and when we come back up we're raised to newness of life no longer slaves to sin If you're not a slave to sin, why live as though you are? Why have that mentality that sin just weighs me down as though there were a chain and a ball around our feet and we're lugging it around? No, that has been cut free from you and I. No longer a slave to sin. And having been set free from sin, our second point is we are set free from death. I rather like this life. I love the life that I've been given and the good measure of health that I've always seemed to have in spite of my awkward ways. But I don't fear death. I don't look forward to it. Maybe maybe that's my fault. But while I'm here in this body to live for Christ... Paul would continue on in Romans chapter 6 and verse 22. He says, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a gift. And it's free. I don't live for death. Paul had that same quandary that he was caught in. He said, I don't know which to choose. It's beneficial for me to be here, but I long to be with Christ. I feel the same way. I see bumper stickers around from time to time. And it says, born okay the first time. And of course that's from those who don't believe in God. Those who don't believe in a life after death. And I say, well and good for you. But as Paul said, if this life is all we have, we are above, we are among most men most miserable. If this is all that we have to look for, as wonderful as this life can be at times, if this is all that I have, we are simply miserable. But we have something that's waiting for us. Paul says it is eternal life. Later on in our class today, I just always get wrapped up in talking about eternity. And you know, once I, get on, once I start chasing that rabbit, eh, eternity. There's no measuring eternity. Eternal life awaits us. A life with the Heavenly Father. Paul would tell the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Where is your sting? It has no victory over us who have been washed in the blood of Christ. We're free from those shackles and fear of death all our days. And if we're free free, it, then just like sin, why do we fear it? Live as free people. But there's another freedom that we have been given. And that's the freedom from the domain of darkness. Now, I'm not talking about the Star Wars trilogy. I'm not talking about those type of things, but a domain of darkness. Listen to what Paul tells the church at Colossae in Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. A domain of darkness. If I were to ask each of us who have been washed in the blood of Christ, and been raised to newness, describe that domain of darkness that you once lived in. You'd say, it looked just like this. The sun rose at the same time every morning and set the same time, just, just like everyone else. But we didn't realize it until it was pointed out to us that we were living in a domain of darkness. When Paul, or at that time Saul of Tarsus, saw that light on the road to Damascus and then sitting and waiting for his marching orders, it's a loose translation in Greek by the way, his marching orders, he's describing in Acts chapter 26 that situation. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love when I get to read that loud voice like that. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen have seen." me and to those which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. I didn't know that before I was saved, I didn't know I was living in darkness. But once the gospel was preached to me, I understood that realm of darkness Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 through 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I always forget to put down the King James Version, which says, you are a peculiar people, and aren't we? Aren't we just peculiar? I get lost in that. He says, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Jesus said when he was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are going to be two things. You're going to be salt, and you're going to be light. Light to a people living in darkness. When Paul gives his list of things that we're going to need as our armor of God, he describes, and this sounds more scary to me than watching the Star Wars trilogies or all seven or however many there are now. But he says, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we are, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." cosmic powers over this present darkness of which the world is a slave to and many do not even realize it but you and I are a light to them as we bring the gospel of light freedom from that domain of darkness the fourth point is freedom from guilt and condemnation Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, and it really is dealing with with the law and those things it brought with it. But he says, he comes to the end, and he's really at that turning point in Romans chapter end of 7 and beginning of 8. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore, and remember every time you see that word therefore, you ask yourself, why is it therefore? It's to remind us of the things that he has just talked about, and as a result, he says, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Free from sin free from death, and free from that condemnation, that ball and chain that we talked about. We have been set free. The gavel has banged, so to speak. Not guilty. Not guilty. And being not guilty, why live with that burden of guilt upon our shoulders? And now that those things have been taken care of, you and I are free, free to come close to God. Remember if you have read from the book of Exodus, as Moses was told he was going to come up to the mountain to receive the law. And you remember the orders that were given? I want you to set up a boundary so that neither man nor beast comes near. And when they saw the terrible sight, of the thunder and lightning and the sound of loud trumpets. They said, Moses, you go up there. They could not bear it. The writer of the book of Hebrews says the same thing. They could not bear to get close to it. But not so with you and I. We are free to come near to God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. He says, therefore, there's that word again. Therefore, brothers, since we have No longer that condemnation. No longer that darkness that we were once in. No longer that fear of death. No longer the sin that surrounds us. We're free to come into that holy place, come to the very presence of God through Christ, without fear. Let us draw near. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It takes a while for the writer of Hebrews to get from chapter 4 on up to chapter 10. At one point he says, I'd like to really tell you a lot more about this. He's talking about Melchizedek. He says, but by now you should be teachers. But you're still caught on those elementary things. He eventually, but as he began in verse chapter 4, he says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, because of this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Draw near with confidence. Not like with our head down and like a dog with our tail tucked between our legs, but with confidence, knowing that we have been cleansed, we have been washed, we have been redeemed for all of this. We have the confidence now that we are free. And free, here's an unusual one that we don't often think about. Freedom to become servants of God. Wait a minute, I thought I was free. Now you want... Me to be a servant again. First Peter chapter two verses fifteen through sixteen. He says, "For this is the will of God that by doing good that you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God, not slaves to sin, but servants of God." Paul writes in Colossians three twenty three through twenty four. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Free to become servants. Free to become bond servants, to become slaves to God. What a Freedom. And that last freedom is the freedom to enjoy every spiritual gift in Christ. Ephesians 1:3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Peter expands on this in his letter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. By the way, this is in your outline if you if I go too fast here. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine na- partakers of the Divine Nature. This just keeps getting better and better. Amen. Amen. One more time, Amen? having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Peter would approach Jesus and say, we've we've given up everything. We've given up everything for you. See, we've left everything and followed you. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. What will we have? What will we have? As if the first six weren't good enough, the best is yet to come here in number seven. As they would say on the commercials, but wait, there's more. What will we have Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on seven, twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a little bit more. Just a little bit more. No, that's not what my means. A hundredfold. A hundredfold. And will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 14 through 15. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And since it says inexpressible, I'm going to try to express that to you, right? If he says it's inexpressible, it's inexpressible. That gift that God has given to us. You see, as we bring this to a close and we look at, and Peter asks the question, what will we have? Because you may be here today and thinking, I don't know, there's an awful lot that I have to give up in this life. Maybe so. But Jesus says that if we have left houses, brothers or sisters, father or mother, children or lands, for his name's sake, we'll get a hundredfold. It may be that your family will turn their back on you. But you've gained a hundred people only in this room alone. And you have gained millions worldwide who are now your brothers and sisters, and mother and father. And that job that you gave up, or that house that you had to give up, just think of everyone here who would open their house to you. Amen. Boy, that that was a tough. I didn't hear a lot of. Uh, that one wasn't quite as strong as the last. Amen. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, yeah, okay. Yeah. I oh, always hit him with that one because you don't often think about that. But he says people will open their houses to you. A hundredfold. You see, you're not thinking in terms of what you give up when Jesus says, this is what you will gain. All because of God's love. For God so loved the world. God so loved every single one of us. And until time shall be no more, shall love every person who is born on this earth enough to give his only son as a sacrifice so that you and I may have these seven freedoms and so many more, up to and including pork products. An inexpressible gift. Inexpressible. How can one begin to describe how great a gift has been given to us? How great an opportunity, how much this freedom is? Sometimes we do take our earthly freedom in this country for granted. And it isn't until people come from another country to where they have been enslaved by dictators and oppressive governments and ideology that prevents them from worshiping God. And they come here and they say, you have a true land of freedom. The same with us. When those burdens have been taken away, the truth will set you free. And you will be free indeed. If that's the type of freedom that you desire in your life, you're in the right place. For we can take care of all of those things today if you have a desire to be free in this life, and have eternity in the life to come. Whatever your need is, we extend an invitation to you as together we stand and sing.